And when the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place without warning. There was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force. No one could tell where it came from. And it filled the whole building. Then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through the ranks and they started speaking a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. And that is from the book of Acts. And that's actually what I want to talk about here today. What I want to explore here today is really two things. I want to talk about this concept of the Holy Spirit filling us. Then I also want to talk about a concept of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon us, which is what we really see happening here in the book of Acts. Because today is actually Pentecost Sunday. It's a day where we actually think about and expect and actually ask God to fill us. So today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about what it means for the Spirit to be poured out upon us. Now, if this language of the Holy Spirit being poured out or being filled with the Spirit is new to you or it's weird to you, I want to share with you a similar parallel kind of secular concept that you might be familiar with just to kind of orient us to this topic here today. Okay, so if you've ever been in a concert or like a sporting event or something like this, and all of a sudden you feel like caught up in something, there's a moment of transcendence, there's a moment where you feel kind of connected to everyone, this is similar to what we're talking about today. Or if you've ever seen on the news where there's been maybe a group of people and all of a sudden it feels like or it seems like they've been controlled by an angry spirit where they turn kind of like into a mob. And if you talk to people afterwards, they will often say things like, I didn't even realize what I was doing, that I wasn't in control. This is, again, like a similar secular concept or parallel concept that we want to talk about today. That what I think we know from our life experience is that we can actually be controlled by different spirits. Spirits of like anger, of jealousy, of rage, whatever else it might be. Today we want to talk about, though, how we might be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. What he might do in your life and what he might do in my life. And so we want to talk about this idea of being filled with the Spirit and also the Spirit being poured out upon us here today. And before we kind of move further into things, especially exploring a number of different Old Testament stories here today, what I want to do is just make a few opening comments specifically about this idea of being filled with the Spirit, because this is something that has gotten so convoluted, especially in Christianity, if you've grown up within the church, that I want to explain just a few uh, different things before we kind of move on first, okay? That first one I want to be really clear with is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you already have the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit within you, okay? That first, if you're a follower of Jesus, you already have the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit within you. That there is no way to actually come to Jesus, to accept him, or to be saved by Jesus without having the Spirit then indwelling within you. Okay, so if you're a follower of Jesus, you absolutely have the Spirit within you. Okay, the second thing is, is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit as well. That this isn't just a one-time thing, actually. That we're called to actually be continually filled with the Spirit. That this is a present, ongoing, necessary activity for all of us. Paul puts it this way, actually, in Ephesians 5.18. He says, do not be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word filled in Greek, it is literally means continuously, ongoing. That this is meant to be something that we are continually filled with, with the Spirit. And so with this kind of two kind of understandings that we're actually called to be continually filled and that if you're a follower of Jesus, you already have the spirit within you, yet we are also called to be ongoingly participating in what he is doing within our lives. I want to explore today, I want to explore those two phrases from the Old Testament of what does the spirit of God mean when we talk about being filled with the spirit and what does it mean for the spirit to be poured out? And so today we're going to learn a few different things. And like last few weeks, some of the things we learned, they might push against some of our assumptions or preconceptions or even a frame of reference. 
but I think it's okay to let scripture challenge us and shift us and change us. So we're going to explore from the Old Testament what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit, and it means three things we're going to explore here today. The first, being filled with the Spirit is actually about ongoing learning and growing and actually growth. Okay? Secondly, what we're going to learn is that to be filled with the Spirit, it means to be filled to the brim with what is already there. And then thirdly, what we're going to learn is that to be filled with the Spirit is not just about being filled for spiritual things, but everyday things as well. And then what we're going to explore with being the Spirit poured out is that the Spirit is poured out for everyone. So the first thing I want to explore is in and through the life of actually Joseph in the book of Genesis. And I want to explore how, um, really, when we talk about the Holy Spirit being filling us, that this is also about an ongoing learning and growth with the Spirit. So uh, Joseph in the Bible is in the book of Genesis. His story is recorded there. And Joseph is actually the very first person that's actually called to be filled with the Spirit. And this is important because this um, brings up a theological point called the principle of first mention. So what this means is when the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, this kind of sets a trajectory for every other time. So this is an important story for us to see. And so what we read about is that Joseph meets with the Pharaoh and he actually interprets a dream. And I want to notice what the Pharaoh says. Pharaoh says this to Joseph. Can't we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? That's what the Pharaoh says. Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? And so what we read here is really that Joseph's spirit is so intertwined with God's, that Joseph's spirit so resembles God's, that when the, the Pharaoh meets with him, the first thing he exclaims is like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, Joseph is filled with the spirit of God. That there's something different about Joseph that causes the Pharaoh to recognize that. You might have had an experience similar, actually, where maybe you've met with somebody and you encountered somebody and they seem to have like this depth, this gravity, this holiness around them, that God's presence seems to really just be fully within them, that the quality of their spirit is so tied to God's that you could say that God's spirit has filled them. That's what we see with Joseph, that he's the first person here ever to be named to have the spirit of God filling him. But what is interesting is that if you read the Joseph story, what you're going to notice is that there isn't one moment where it seems as if Joseph has a, a really mysterious or miraculous encounter with the Spirit of God. There isn't one moment where he seems to be filled with the Spirit of God. Instead, when it comes to the life of Joseph, what it seems like is that there is a synonymous lifetime of learning and following of God that has led him to being filled with the Spirit of God. It's as if Joseph has followed God so consistently with character and discipline that his spirit comes to resemble God's spirit. Or to put it a different way, it seems as if he is filled with the ruah of God through a lifetime of learning, listening, and obedience. Okay? It seems as if his life is filled with the ruah of God through a lifetime of learning, listening, and obedience. And this is important because sometimes in what's called charismatic circles, we often think of God's you know, filling of us with his spirit as a one-time experience, as something that kind of happens without our participation in it. But instead, if we look at the life of Joseph, what we see really is that his growth with the spirit, his filling with the spirit, isn't just a one-time moment, but becomes synonymous really with a lifetime of learning and obedience to God. That is how he is filled, actually. Not just with a one-time moment, but it's synonymous with a lifetime of learning and of being obedient to God. I think that this matters for us. I think this matters for us to realize that really, when it comes to being filled with the Spirit, that there is also an idea that we're called to participate, to grow and to learn and to follow God, and that this can actually shape our spirit so that we are actually filled with God's Spirit. So much so that, as Pharaoh puts it, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? So the Spirit 
can fill us in these deep, amazing moments, but it can also happen through a lifetime of learning, discipline, practice, and obedience, like we see with Joseph. We're actually going to see this idea that it can actually grow and develop this understanding of being filled with the Spirit in the next few stories as well. The next thing I want to notice, I'm going to move to Exodus. We're going to see something a bit different. And what I want to take a look at in this story is that to be filled with the Spirit is really to be filled to the brim with what is already there. That to be filled with the Spirit is to be filled to the brim with what is already there. That when the Holy Spirit fills us, the Holy Spirit isn't just to fill us with skills, abilities, talents, or spiritual aptitudes that we don't have, but he actually fills us to the brim with what is already there. I want to go to Exodus 28, verse 3. And here's God speaking. And here's what he says. He says, instruct all the skilled craftsmen whom I have filled with the Spirit of wisdom, He says, have them make garments for Aaron that will distinguish him as a priest set apart for my service. And here's what's going on. God is speaking. He's instructing about how these artisans, these craftsmen, these really um, amazing makers will be able to create really holy artifacts, Aaron's vestments. So he says he's going to fill them with the spirit of wisdom to accomplish this task. He's going to fill them with the spirit of wisdom, of creativity, of knowledge, of all of that to be able to accomplish this task. But here's where the New Living Translation leads us a bit astray, actually, because it actually obscures a wordplay in Hebrew that's really important. So a more faithful translation to this passage, and here I'm relying on Jack Levison's uh, translation, would be this. And you shall speak to all the wise of heart, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, and they shall make Aaron's vestments. This is a better translation, okay? And you shall speak to all the wise of heart, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, and they shall make Aaron's vestments. And here, that phrase um, where it says, speak to the wise of heart, that's what the NLT translates as craftsmen, right? And that's true. That is what it means. But it obscures something that's important. Because what's really clear in this passage is that God is going to fill these artisans, these craftsmen, these makers, you know, with his spirit, with the spirit of wisdom to be able to craft and to make these amazing holy artifacts. But what's really obvious in the text, actually, is that the artisans that God fills with the spirit of wisdom, follow with me, They already have skill and wisdom to begin with, okay? That the artisans that God fills with the spirit of wisdom already have skill and wisdom to begin with. It's not like they are empty of it. It's not like it isn't a part of them. God doesn't fill them with something that they don't have. Instead, the text literally says, I will fill the wise of heart with the spirit of wisdom, right? They are already wise and already have skills. They already have abilities. And yet then what God does is he fills them with the spirit of wisdom And really what he's doing here is to fill them to the brim, to fill them to completion, to expand their giftings and abilities and depth. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit here in this passage. And that word fill in Hebrew is a word mala. And it can describe like an initial filling, but it can also really mean to fill something to completion, to fill to overflow, to fill to full. And that's really what's happening here in this passage. And I think this is important. I think this is important for us to realize. Because even when I will call you to actually be filled with the Spirit, I am not saying that you don't have the Spirit already a part of your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you absolutely do. What I am saying when I say to be filled with the Spirit is to be filled to the completion, to be filled to full, to be filled to overflowing or to the brim. Because that's what we see in this passage as well. That God takes the wise of heart, people who already have wisdom, and he fills them with even more wisdom, right? That he fills what's already there. And he fills it to completion, to overflow, really to the brim, So the first thing that we see really is that this being filled with the spirit is often coupled with actually a lifetime of learning. We see this in the life of Joseph and also with these artisans. Second thing that we see then is that the filling of God is often the filling of what has already been started. 
The third thing that I want to show you from the scripture and from the text, um, we're going to be in Exodus here, is that to be filled with the Spirit doesn't mean to just be filled with spiritual abilities or spiritual aptitudes or skills, but it's for everyday things that all of us are called to join in and to use for the glory of God. Let me read to you Exodus 31, 1 to 6. And then we're going to also read in Exodus 35. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezael, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Listen, giving him great wisdom, giving him great ability and expertise in all kinds of crafts and all kinds of actual, you know, creating of things. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And I have personally appointed Ohiliab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I have commanded you to make. That what we see here in this passage is that when God fills these craftsmen with his spirit, that they are filled to be able to create, to make, to actually participate in what God is doing. This is a beautiful thing. We see the same sort of thing in Exodus 35. Then Moses told the people of Israel, the Lord has specifically chosen Bezael, son of Uri, grandson of Hur in the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Bezael with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all crafts. And he is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And the Lord has given both him and Holiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach their skills to others. That's also what they are filled with. They're filled with the ability to teach their skills to others. The Lord has given them special skills as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue and purple and scarlet thread on fine linen cloth and weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers. And here, here's where I think we need to break out of our kind of our Western mindset when it comes to being understood of being filled with the Spirit of God. Because I think especially in the church, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit of God, we often then talk about being filled with, you know, spiritual things or spiritual gifts. Gifts like preaching or teaching or prophecy or healing. But notice that according to this text, notice that according to this text, that the filling of the Spirit has to do with everyday tasks and really everything, right? That the Filling of the Spirit has to do with everyday tasks and really with everything. Because what we see in this text is that God really fills these craftsmen to be able to do some amazing things, right? They become fashion designers, right? They actually become like jewelers, right? They work with gems. They become blacksmiths working with metals. They become master craftsmen working with wood and carving. That what God does is he fills them with their, his spirit to enable them to create and to actually hone their skills and to deepen their skills so they might use that really for the glory of God. And I think that this really matters because in our modern Western world, if we talk about somebody being filled with the spirit, we often reduce this and limit and narrow this to just like spiritual kind of activities or activities we think are spiritual, like preaching, teaching, prophecy or healing or whatever. But in the Old Testament, the Old Testament viewpoint to be filled with God's spirit doesn't just mean insight into spiritual things. It means really, um, it means to bring a fulfillment or completion to any skill or ability or action that God desires. That's what we see here in this text. That to be filled with the Spirit doesn't mean just having spiritual aptitude. It means to bring to fulfillment any completion, any skill, ability, or action that God desires. Because here we see God really filling people so they can be like jewelers, you know, fashion designers, right? Metal workers, engravers, all of that. Or to bring this into our modern day and age, what this means is that when God's spirit fills you, he can fill you, follow with me, right? If we're just going to move this into the modern world, he can fill you to be a graphic designer, 
right? He can fill you to be a farmer, a framer, an arborist, a barista. He can fill you to do amazing, amazing things, right? That when we get filled with God, it's actually to be filled with his spirit, to actually then use some skills that he has planted within us, that he is growing within us, that we're called to actually use in a pattern and rhythm with him. I think what we have done in the West is we have reduced what it means to be filled with the Spirit so that we think when we're filled with the Spirit, the only thing the Spirit can do is to maybe give us gifts like perhaps that I might have of teaching and preaching. And then we neglect how God can fill other people for another amazing tasks. So what this means is you can be filled with the Spirit of God to be amazing, you know, like accountant, right? This clearly is not my skills, but this is also what God can fill you with. Or... Or why would we ever neglect even, you think about my wife becoming a midwife, that I pray for her that she'll be filled with the Spirit of God so that she might be the best midwife ever to be able to catch babies and to be able to, you know, help them to enter into this world. That what we have done is we have limited and reduced the activity of God's Spirit when really what we see here in this passage is that there's an expansion. That when we get filled with God's Spirit, it is really so we can accomplish so many different tasks that we might be called to, any one that really God has for us. So when it comes to understanding this phrase of being filled with the Spirit from the Old Testament. Here is what we see. We really see three things, okay? First, that to be filled can happen after really a lifetime of learning or is really synonymous with a lifetime of learning and following and being obedient to God. Jack Levison puts it this way. He says, the belief that God fills human beings with a spirit that can be cultivated into a reservoir of skill and wisdom lasted from Israel's earliest stories to its latest. Secondly, what we saw is that to be filled doesn't mean just to be filled from empty. It can mean that for sure. But it also is really about being filled to completion, filled to full, that we might have some skills, some abilities, or maybe some aptitudes, whatever it may be. And that when God's spirit fills in us, that he fills us to the brim, to the full, to overflowing. And then thirdly, what we saw is that we can be filled for our actual everyday tasks and activities, not just spiritual things. That we can be filled for all sorts of things to actually work with what God has called for us. And I think this is really important for us, especially, as I said, in the West. Because what's what really recently happened to the church in the West, especially, especially if we ever get around to being talking about being filled with the Spirit, what we've often done is we've reduced the amazing depth and breadth of what being filled with the Spirit is. So we often just talk about it as a one-time, you know, after-salvation event, and it has to, often gets coupled with the gifts of, like, healing or prophecy or tongues. But really, when we start to dive into the Old Testament, what we see is that to be filled with the Spirit, this is like this continual filling of the Spirit where the Spirit gives us gifts and abilities that then gets coupled, really, with a lifetime of following Him so that we might serve Him. That's what we see. And so what I want to take a look at then next is what does this phrase uh, for the Spirit to be poured out mean? And this is what the phrase, uh, what the Spirit means to be filled, where it's really, it's coupled with a lifetime of learning, where it's actually being filled to the brim, and it's also about all sorts of tasks, not just supposedly spiritual ones. What does it mean then for the Spirit to be poured out? And for that, I want to turn to the book of Joel. Because what we see in the Old Testament, if we start to pay attention actually, what we see is a progression of how God starts to work with people. And there's this pouring out of his spirit on people, on individuals, on often men. But then Joel has this amazing vision that the spirit of God is not just meant for some, that the spirit of God is meant to be poured out on everyone, on all people. It's not going to be limited to just individuals. It is for each and every person. Listen to how Joel puts it. And this is in verse uh, 28, starting in chapter 2. Okay? This is Joel speaking, uh, really uh, relaying a prophecy of God. Then... After doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. 
that with Joel, when he glimpses into the future with the God spirit, when God gives him this ability to see in the future, and when he speaks for God here, what he is saying is that he is seeing a time when the spirit will be poured out on every single person. That it will not just be limited. It will not be just local. It'll be a global, amazing thing for all people. That's so clear from the text. For all people. Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then at the end it says this, and I'll pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And that last sentence actually isn't quite correct where it says, even on servants. Uh, The NRSV is better, um, and I'll read it to you. This is actually a better translation. Even on those, uh, even on the male and female slaves, in those days I will pour out my spirit. Because when Joel is talking about this here, he isn't just talking about servants, he's actually talking about God's spirit being poured out on slaves. And this matters immensely because really, really what is being said here in this passage with beautiful, startling kind of clarity is even the abused, the forgotten, and the mistreated, they will not be forgotten by God and they will have access to his spirit too. That his spirit will be poured out on them too. That there won't be really anyone who is left out of this amazing work of God. And notice with me in the text, notice with me in the text, when Joel says, right, I will pour out my spirit on all people. What you would expect him to say actually isn't this at all. This is so radical and it's so obvious we skip over it. What you would expect him to say is really, I see a time in the future where God will pour out all of his spirit on all Israel, on all righteous people, on all followers of God. But that isn't what he says. Instead, what he says is, then after doing these things, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit even on servants and slaves, men and women alike. This is radical. This is amazing. This is a promise that is for each and every one of us. And it's a beautiful thing. Jack Levison, quoting on this, um, commenting on this, he says this. I'm going to read to you a significant portion because I just think it's, it's beautiful and it's true. He says, even the words pour out my spirit are repeated for emphasis at the vision's beginning and the end. And he says, the inclusion of slaves devastates the rule of order. So too does the inclusion of women, of daughters and female slaves. In this respect, Joel stepped well beyond the boundaries of his tradition. The spirit is now promised to women and women of the lowest rank. That outpouring is not a simple reordering of society, though it is that. This is not a redistribution of wealth, though it also may be that. Nor does it only wrest authority from people who are privileged by dint of age or gender, though it certainly does that as well. The outpouring of the Spirit is cataclysmic. Joel imagined an outpouring over all flesh throughout a world uh, beyond Israel's borders where slave girls would prophesy, where young and old alike would see visions and dream dreams. He says this, and this is true. This is a world bound. This is not a world bound by church or doctrine, creed or community. The spirit outpoured tears down walls. The spirit outpoured tears down walls. And that's what this is about. That when the spirit gets poured out, it is for everyone and it breaks down walls. That when the spirit becomes poured out, it is for everyone and the spirit breaks down walls. And the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing is that Joel's vision Right? Joel's vision isn't for the future. Joel's vision is for today. Okay? That Joel's vision isn't for the future. Joel's vision is for today. Because the very first verse that I read in the very beginning of the sermon was actually in Acts 2. And in Acts 2, we hear of the Holy Spirit being poured out where we read this. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through the ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. 
And then there's some confusion because all of a sudden the spirit is really tearing down walls. Some people think everybody is drunk, but listen to what Peter says. Listen to what Peter says. He says this, but Peter standing with the 11 raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what he says. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in the those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. That what Peter says is that the time of Joel's vision has happened and that this then isn't in the future. This is for us here and now. So what does this all mean for us here today? Well, here's my main point for us here today. I was trying to understand these two phrases of what it means to be filled by the spirit according to the Old Testament and also for the spirit to be poured out according to the Old Testament. Well, here's my main point today, that the spirit pouring out and filling is for everyone, including you. This is my main point today, that the Spirit being poured out and filling is for everyone, including you. We've learned how to be filled with the Spirit means actually about a lifetime of learning with with God and walking with Him. We've also seen how God fills us to the brim, right, of everyday activities and tasks and uh, crafts that we are called to actually participate in. And then we've also seen how the Spirit can be poured out in an amazing kind of cataclysmic moment where lives are changed and people can prophesy and people dream new dreams and see new futures and see a world, you know, lived with justice and mercy as it was meant to. This is what it means, really, for the Spirit to be poured out and for us to be filled with the Spirit. And my main point is just a really simple one today, is that this idea of the Spirit being poured out and filling is for every single person, and this includes you that you can be filled with the Spirit, that you can experience the Spirit being poured out for you. Then practically, what does this look like? Well, as I've shared the last two weeks, I also want to share with you a story where I've experienced both of these two things here today. So I want to share with you a story where I really felt like the Spirit was poured out upon me, a moment where I really got deeply connected to God and where I felt Him move within my life. And then also a moment where I really felt like I was filled with the Spirit. So I want to share with you then two stories about what this looks like, at least in my life and where I've experienced it so that hopefully you might kind of see some parallels for your own life and how you might experience it in yours. So the first time that I really ever experienced the pouring out of the Spirit, where I really had this amazing encounter with God, where all of a sudden you could see like new things, new futures, new possibilities, where you feel the real closeness of God. This happened for me when I was at a youth retreat. And so I was in, I think, grade six or grade seven. I was at my very first youth retreat. And I went on this youth retreat, um, not really to connect with God. I, that wasn't really at all in my idea. I went on it because the girl I liked was also going on this youth retreat. Now, I don't know if I've told you this uh, too many times or how many of you might realize this, but Krista and I have been friends and going to the same church since we were like, like I was five and she was six. Okay? And so she also went on this uh, youth retreat. And at this time in our friendship, we were best friends all through high school, but at this time in our friendship, she was madly in love with me. I, though, was not in love with her. But to help you set the context for this, I want to show with you a picture of what Krista looked like in grade seven. Okay? So here's Krista's grade seven picture. And she hates this picture, and I so enjoy sharing it with you here today. And if you want to see a picture of what I looked in grade seven, uh, I'm sorry, we don't have that for you today. But this is, this is what was going on. So I was there with Krista and lots of other friends. But as I said, I went there really not to connect with God. But here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing about God pouring out his spirit, that it can happen really at any time. God can actually show up and change us. And I remember being in this worship service, you know, kind of the last night session. And there was a speaker. I don't remember really anything else that he said, but he had asked, if you want to accept and to experience the Holy Spirit, would you put up your hand? 
And for me, this is not going to shock any of you. I can live in my head a lot. I can get stuck there a lot. I like being in control. But this was something I actually did. I raised my hand, and as I was prayed over by this man and by this individual, I can tell you, like, something shifted in my life. I felt like this fire within me. I felt, like, connected to God. I felt so deeply loved all at once. It was a moment that I can still recall and recollect to this day of when my life was really altered and changed. It was as if, you know, the Holy Spirit was poured out on me in and through prayer. A second time where I experienced um, not only this idea of being poured out, but really being filled is when I was actually at Bible college. When I was at Bible college, remember to be filled with the Spirit doesn't just mean a one-time encounter, right? That God can fill you to the brim with skills that you're actually seeking to use and that it's coupled with a lifetime of learning, right? Where you're seeking to grow with God, to walk with Him, right? That's what we saw in Joseph's life. And so what I was doing at this point was I was going to Bible college and I started a Bible study and it was in my basement of my house. I was living at home with my parents. And we were watching like, you know, Bible study videos and then we talk about things. And for some reason, the group decided that they didn't want to see videos anymore, that what they would rather do was have me speak to them. Now, I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't doing this. This wasn't something I was really even trained for at this point. They said, well, we'd rather hear like a short, you know, 10 minute talk from you. So what I started to do then was each and every week, I would start to prepare essentially like a sermon. This is where actually I really learned how to speak and actually be able to, you know, get that skill and craft of actually sharing and communicating. And so I'd spent a lot of time, you know, uh, putting effort into it, learning, studying, and all of that. And there was one week where I came to preach or to speak really on this idea of being filled with the Spirit. And I put in a lot of time and effort, right? There was some skill and ability already there. There was some sacrifice and some time already there, right? To use the phrase from the Old Testament, I was, you know, wise at heart, but I needed to be filled with more spirit of wisdom. And so in that moment, I can remember starting to preach and I felt, I felt like God come upon me and fill me, fill me to the brim, fill me to completion, fill me to be able to speak in a way I had never spoken before. And so I start preaching on being filled with the spirit. And all of a sudden people are like being freed. The people are accepting Jesus for the first time. People are experiencing like new life and new hope. And I remember I'm sitting there with my friend of mine who's like leading and guitar and we look at each other and we don't really understand all that's happening. But what I know is the spirit was poured out in that moment and in that room especially as the Spirit filled with me and an ability to be able to use for God's glory. So this is what it can look like. It can look like prayer. It can look like a lifetime of learning. It can look like having this amazing experience with God. This is what it means really to be filled with the Spirit and for the Spirit to be poured out, that it can happen for each and every one of us. It can be coupled with a lifetime of learning and following Jesus. It can be where we have our skills really filled to completion. And it can also be these amazing moments where God's Spirit is just poured out and it kind of seems like everything changes. So what does this mean for us today practically? If my main point is that the spirit filling us and being poured out is for everyone, well, here is my challenge. Here's what this means for us practically. My challenge today is really simple. I want to challenge you to be filled with the spirit today. I want to challenge you to experience the spirit being poured out in your life here today. Because today, whether or not you realize it, today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day where we remember in that upper room in Acts that the spirit was poured out and that the spirit is still being poured out for each and every one of us. So today I want to challenge you to be filled with the Spirit. And so in just a few moments, I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you actually to receive the Spirit, to accept the Spirit. Remember, if you're a follower of Jesus, you already have the Spirit. But the Spirit filling you is filling you to completion, to the brim, to the full, to overflowing, so that you might follow Him deeper and better. What might this look like for you? What might this feel like? 
It might feel like I did that time when I was in grade seven of a feeling of love and connection. It might be of God actually filling you with some skills and some abilities, some strength to be able to follow him. It might be just a feeling really of freedom and liberation. But today I want to invite you to receive the Holy Spirit because I believe that Joel's words are still true for us today. That in those last days, in the days of today, Today, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you. If you want to receive the spirit today, if you want to be filled deeper, if you want to have the spirit poured out in your life, I'm going to invite you to do something that might seem a bit awkward, but I'm going to invite you even to just put out your hands as an act of really, as a way of saying, God, I want to receive more of you. I want to be filled to completion. I want to be filled to the brim of your spirit so that I might follow you. So I want to invite you to do that as I pray for you that you might be filled and experience the spirit here today. Let's pray. Dear God, I ask and I pray, would you fill us with your spirit today afresh? I know, Lord, that we could not come to you without the leading of your spirit. We could not live without the sustaining of your spirit. And yet today, God, I pray for each and every person who hears this. Might there be a new filling of your spirit within each and every one of us. May you pour out your spirit upon us. Might our sons and daughters speak and live truth. Might those who are mature in years see new dreams and hopes for the future. Might those who are young see visions of justice, mercy, and faithfulness to you. Will you pour out your spirit on each and every one of us today, the young and the old, male and female, the faithful and the faltering, those who are strong in faith and those who are weak. Might you pour out your spirit on all of us so that we might follow you. Would you tear down those walls between us and build us up in your spirit? And I pray, I pray today, might each and every one of us who desires the spirit to be filled afresh and anew with a new stirring of your spirit, your breath, and your ruah within us. May you move like fire amongst us, kindling us in the fire of your love. May this be true today and every day of our lives. And we ask to receive from you today on this Pentecost Sunday. Amen and amen.